Hello and welcome back to the Trick Play Podcast on Fresh Take Network. I'm Simon Chaskovsky here with Caleb Peterson and shortly we will be breaking down all the sports related news, rumors, and drama that you will want to hear about. This week we're going to be talking about, we're going to try and do every sport. <laughs> For once. That is our goal. We're hitting all of them. We're going to start in the NHL because we've been talking about, we've always, we've been starting with the NFL the last couple weeks. I think I'm getting tired of it. I'm assuming you're getting tired of it. So uh, we're going to start in the NHL, probably starting with, uh, I think we said the rain. No, Flames. We're starting with the Flames, and then we're going to move into talking a little bit about the Rangers and uh, a couple quotes that came out regarding their, uh, from Trocheck wanting to seek progress. Then we'll probably move into uh, a couple other things, maybe talk about Bedard. We'll see how much time we got. Move into the NBA and uh, talk about something that came out a couple weeks ago, but we didn't have time in the podcast that uh, came out that week about the NBA approving stricter resting policies. So we'll get into that. Then we'll talk about the MLB a little bit. Probably get into the Yankees missing the playoffs for the first time since 2016, which everybody loved to see. People danced in the streets. And then we'll finally get to the NFL because we got it. It was week three. It was entertaining. A lot of of good quotes, a lot of good games. We'll get into that. Caleb, are you ready to get into it? Absolutely. So, we're going to start off with the Flames, like I said, and uh, talking a little bit about uh, a very funny quote uh, that <laughs> that uh, winger Jacob Peliche, uh said earlier this week in a little dig at former coach Daryl Sutter. He, uh, he was asked by a reporter why uh, he switched his number to number 22 from 49. And he said that I think it's easier for coaches to know 22 than 49, which, uh, and then followed it up by saying, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. And if you're not a Flames fan who was obsessed with every Daryl Sutter interview last year, you might not know that um, last season Daryl Sutter had a little bit of a, in Peliche's debut, Daryl Sutter was asked uh, how he did or how he thought he did. And Daryl Sutter said something along the lines of, what number was he? Who's he? Oh, 49. Ah, he was okay. And then just, like, went on with his day like Daryl Sutter does. And uh, it's safe to say Peliche did not take it too well, <laughs> as he probably shouldn't. I, I always thought it was weird with all the digs. Whenever a coach makes a, digs like, a dig like that and uh, the players just automatically, it's just assume they're going to take it well when, frankly, it's insulting. Like, I get that he's a rookie, but you shouldn't be treating anybody like that, especially considering Peliche had a great game, if I remember correctly. But uh, I'm curious what you think about the whole thing, because it's it's pretty interesting. I also want to just talk about the Flames as a whole, because we haven't gotten a chance to talk about them yet, or a lot of NHL teams, so hopefully today we get a chance to dig into some of the interesting ones. But uh, I'm just curious what you think on, like, uh, the whole situation. Well, I mean... It kind of it, it speaks to the impact that Daryl Sutter had on that locker room, and if you are a particularly optimistic Flames fan, it does give you a little bit of hope. Because um, with comments like that, like Pel- Peltier was saying, it makes you feel like the impact of Daryl Sutter's coaching style um, was a little bit larger than we might have thought. Because obviously there were rumors, rumblings that. Um, his hard-nosed, disciplined style wasn't going over well with a lot of players. Um, people didn't want to play for them. There's a rift in the locker room. I always kind of 
like doubted or questioned how much that was actually true. Um, but with comments like this, um, it's just like little things leaking out, right? And it makes you think like maybe there is more to this than uh, we initially thought, and maybe moving in a new direction in terms of coach will solve a lot of the problems for the Flames um, because the bottom line is that they underperformed last season um, because when you go into a season with that high hopes you're bringing in people like Huberto and Kadri and um, expected to do great things some people even pegging us for the Stanley Cup um, and then you come out and miss the playoffs um, it just says, says a lot about your team and there's, there has to be something going wrong there for a roster with this much potential to just completely um, just mess everything up. So with stuff like this, it makes you think maybe it was Daryl Sutter. I was always a little bit on the side of maybe um, roster construction, maybe these players just don't play well together. But um, if it's coming out in the media from the players, maybe it was more of an issue than we might have all thought. Yeah, I I definitely... I. I'm never one to believe that it's one thing or the other. I, because it's the truth is always somewhere <coughs> in the middle with these kind of things. Like it's yeah. it has to be some part the roster, some part the the coach. But the and even during the season last year, it seemed like this was the case. But the further and further we get from last year, it's starting to lean more and more towards Daryl Sutter being the problem, which frankly is not much of a surprise. I liked Daryl Sutter for quite a bit of his time in Calgary, surprisingly. I uh, I thought his system worked, but I think like most, the first comment he made about Peliche was really, really shocking to me. I, I just, it's so weird. It's so, because I get it. Like, Daryl Sutter has always had that kind of like dry, dry responses to media questions. That's always been his thing. But it just stuck out to me like a sore thumb because it's not... No, that's not necessarily his type of thing. Like, he's not going to put down every single player. He he obviously did in quite a, well, quite a few times in Calgary, but yeah. I think that Peliche one was just... It was just weird, because normally it felt like he'd put down players who deserved it, I guess, is more what I'm leaning towards. That Peliche one was just weird, and it still is. Well, I don't, I don't know. The, the other one that I think of when it comes to comments that he made in terms of, like, putting players down was the Johnny Gaudreau one. I don't know if yeah. you remember that. I don't remember what milestone it was, like his thousandth career game or something. Um, and they were saying, like, Gaudreau's a thousandth game is coming up in the next game. Like, what do you have to say about that? And normally you'd expect coaches to, like, praise the player for their longevity or whatever or compliment their game. Um, but not Daryl Sutter. He just said, um, hope he plays better than he did and it's 999th. Um, That's kind of funny, Which, though. like... <laughs> It is, it is kind of funny, but it is still the kind of thing, like, if I'm Johnny Gaudreau, I don't know how well I'm taking that comment. Um, There's, but, and yeah, no, you're totally right. Like, if I'm Johnny Gaudreau, there, there, sure. But I think there's a big difference between saying uh, you hope, like, just taking a dig on the game he played and uh, literally saying you don't know who a person is who's playing on your team. Because that's, like, it's just... It's so weird to me. Like, uh, the more... I don't know. It's just weird. We can... I kind of want to move into just this overall Flames team as a whole. Because I want to I wanna talk about just what you think about the... Because obviously, it's a very similar squad. There's a lot of the, of the same facers that were on that Daryl Sutter team. With a very... There's going to be a lot of youth kind of infused into it. 
And I'm really excited, actually, to see what this team looks like. Because it's kind of... This is going to be a weird thing to say, but it's given me like 2014-2015 vibes with how young our team is going to be. Because the, the when I think back to that team, I think of a team that was like... We had so many young guys, not necessarily like the most skilled, but they worked together so well. And were able to put together so many nice comebacks and wins. And that's obviously extremely high hopes for this squad. But I still... I, I see a lot of that team in this one. So I'm really excited. I'm really excited for all the young guys we've got coming up. Even the guys who are probably going to be playing like fourth line. Like I don't know, Caleb, if you want... I'm guessing you didn't watch much of that first preseason game with Adam Klapka. But God, is he a fun player to watch. He's like Lucic if Lucic actually knew how to skate. <laughs> he's also like 6'7". He's great. But yeah, I... Oh yeah, he's fun. But um, I think this team's going to be so much fun to watch. I, I don't... Ne I wouldn't necessarily make a prediction on how good they're going to be because I think it could be anywhere from incredibly disappointing again to... Uh, I don't know. They could make the playoffs. I think they're... If they play well, they're easily a playoff team in the in the West. I think it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. It'll, it definitely just comes around to how well uh, uh, Huska's system ends up working, because I'm all, even from and obviously preseason. Who cares? But from like the style of play we've seen in the games that have been played so far, I've really liked it. I I really the we're already <coughs> starting to see them last year under Daryl Sutter. Something that Daryl Sutter's kind of more known for is his more like constant attack like shoot everything at the net like the flames would have 35 shots on goal most nights and then score once like that was the issue we kept running into and then but i mean we're seeing more quality shots we're seeing guys like huberto shoot more which is strange considering you when you think about what i just said but it's nice seeing a guy like huberto actually use his shot and i don't know we're starting to see an actual like system that is going to work a lot better with our skilled players because I think, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, like a constant attack like that where you're constantly shooting on the puck on net doesn't work as well when you have so many skilled players. I think I think that works really well when you're using using it with players who can't necessarily like. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but. I think it works better on less skilled teams, I guess. More physical teams. Which is obviously what Daryl Sutter's better at coaching anyway. I think his style just didn't work with the time kind of team we have. And I think Husker's going to work way better with the skilled players. Guys you can shoot yeah. on the squad. I'm super excited. It's going to be awesome, I think. Well, <laughs> I think the biggest... Okay, I, I do think that um, as... I can say the less of a Flames fan, obviously still a Flames fan, but yeah. less of a Flames fan. I think I'm taking it with a little bit more of a grain of salt. Just because after what I saw last year, obviously didn't watch every game, but I watched enough, and I saw them lose in overtime enough times um, yeah. to be thoroughly disappointed by everything that happened this season, or last season. And after that, after I, I think the biggest moment when... Um, I was just done with this team was the, it was one of their last games where I think they lost in a shootout to Vancouver and it was just like a game they should win like they're clearly better um, and they just let everybody down 
um, in the clutch. It's those kind of moments that happened so many times last year to yeah. where I'm thinking, like, it's it's going to be hard to overcome. And I agree with everything you've said about Daryl Sitter's system to where um, with the kind of players we had, I don't think it meshed well. But the other thing is, is that um, when you're talking about a new coach like Huska, it's really hard to know what that's going to look like coming into this next season and how that's going to mesh with the players we have because also there's so much um, roster turnover in terms of the new players we're bringing in in terms of people that have left like Toffoli um, is Markstrom going to have a bounce back year there's so much unknown with this Flames team that not just because I'm a fan I think they're the probably like the biggest enigma in the league in terms of I wouldn't be shocked if they sucked and I wouldn't be shocked if they were first it's like it's the kind of thing where I don't think you can accurately peg what they are um, just because there's so many factors to the team that they could become to where last year you kind of, you try to consider it, you try to consider um, the players they have, but everything was so weird and out of whack that year um, that I, I don't know how much you can take from it. And like especially with the overtime games. Are they really are they gonna lose that many again? Are they gonna um balance out and return to the mean and maybe win some of those? I don't know. It's it's tough to say. Are Matt Coronado, Jacob Peltier, Ruzichka, all of the young players that'll be in this lineup at one point or another, are they gonna live up to the billing? It's really tough to say. I think they're the biggest mystery in the league. Um and obviously I'm hoping that it'll turn out well, but I'm going into it with very tentative expectations, yeah. um, which I think might be a good thing for this team because I think the high expectations of last year almost hurt them a little bit. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. I think that uh, that is another thing that's kind of going their advantage is people are a lot more skeptical, I think, going into this season because you're right, there are a lot of questions. And I was saying a lot of the same things because you are absolutely right because there are so many questions with the team. You mentioned Jacob Markstrom. That's a big one. Where as high as I am on Dustin Wolf as a prospect and as a future starter for this team, there is definitely it definitely does come into question whether Markstrom will be able to bounce back this year. And hell, you can run through this entire roster. Will Huberto bounce back? Will Kadri bounce back? Will Coronado end up looking as good as everybody hopes he will? Will I mean, like I said, Kadri. But uh, there's like so many things on this roster that you can point a finger at and go, if that one thing goes wrong, this whole team sucks. Because at the end of the day, everything could go right and Markstrom has an 8.95 save percentage and we miss the playoffs. It could happen. You never know. Like, there's Hubert O could have another 60-point season. (coughs) Like, we really, I, I don't think, truthfully, my optimism is telling me that I don't think either of those things could happen. But my pessimism is telling me that both probably will because that's what being a Flames fan is all about. But I, yeah. I also, I I don't know. I In the little that I have seen from this team, even though it's just been preseason, I, I like the energy. I It seems like they're just, I don't know. You don't normally expect that kind of energy from a team in the preseason, but they actually look like they're there to play i another thing i want to bring up is the fact that we finally have someone new running the power play which you mentioned those you mentioned those overtime uh yeah mark savard big name 
and mm. so far, was a Kirk Kirk Muller before? Yeah, that and uh, and a big thing that a lot of Flames insiders have been talking about is the fact that uh, in practices where they've been practicing the power play, it seems like Mark Savard has set a rule where that each player is only allowed to hold the puck for a second. Which might be the greatest thing I've ever heard as someone who has had to watch this Flames power play for the last couple of years. Because, and I'm sure you have too. They'll get the puck and they'll creep in slowly, creep in, pass it. And then they'll get the puck and they'll creep in slowly, creep in slowly, pass it. And then they'll finally take a shot, shoot it off the pad, and 30 seconds is gone. <laughs> and it's the crappiest thing you'll ever see. And the one thing that I saw in that in those preseason games is a power play that actually looked like it was going to work because they were doing tons of quick passes. They were finding the open man much quicker, getting the puck to the people who could shoot. We saw Huberto bury a really, really nice power play goal. Like, Finally, we're starting to see a system that's more modern, <laughs> if that's crazy to say, because that's why the power plays of like the Maple Leafs power play and Edmonton's power play works so well. Is with It has speed. It has skill. It has finesse. It's just... It works so much better, and it seems like we're finally starting to bring that into Calgary. And I'm not saying that Calgary's power play is going to look anything like that. I don't want. I want to make it clear. I'm not making that prediction. I'm just saying that it has the potential to be better, and that's a very exciting thing because I think when you have a a good power play, you mentioned those overtime games. Even if we suck in overtime again, we even just getting the chance to score more is huge. Because that completely helps you avoid those overtime games. Think about how much... If the Flames had a better power play last season, think about how much better they could have potentially been. You can look it up. Their power play was terrible. They, like, one of the worst in the league. Because they just couldn't get anything. And their penalty kill, I don't think, was much better. I think just across the board, their special teams play was terrible. And I think uh, this Flame squad, because it's... Again, it completely relies on the fact that we really, really need the youth to play really well. But I think it has the chance, if everything works out, which I want to make it clear, if if everything works out, it has a chance to be a really, really deep, really, really skilled team. Because <coughs> one thing that I did notice as well is the Flames finally have speed. We have speed because everybody's young. It's awesome. We're finally getting to watch a fun team again. It's, I'm so excited. As a Flames fan, I'm very excited for this new team. I think even if they suck, I think that uh, we're going to get a chance to see a lot of young players. We're going to get to see a really new system in Calgary that we haven't gotten to see in a long time because we've had a lot of old-fashioned style coaches in the last couple years, and uh, I'm super excited. It's going to be... I've ended I've ended my uh, tangents with I'm super excited a couple times, but I really am like... I was... uh, <laughs> I, I really am liking this team. I think I'm going to be watching a lot more games this year just because I think they're going to be playing such a more exciting style of play. Because uh, if you pulled the whole NHL, I remember there must have been something like this, and I remember see, reading it. Somebody There was like a poll across all the fan bases on which team was the most boring to watch, and Calgary was damn near the bottom because of the style of play they had. I remember defending them at the time, but looking back on it, I'm so happy we have a new style in. <laughs> a new, new like... <laughs> yeah. uh, because that defensive style got boring and it stopped working. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, it's it's exciting though. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a cool team as long as Pelleche is not dead. Please come you back. Should, yeah. No shoulder separation, yeah. please. It's a bruise. Yeah. You have to you have to <laughs> hope. You have to hope. Yeah. 
I, I do think it's funny, Simon, that the longer you talk, the more I can see your optimism slowly start to go up until you reach the I'm, I'm super excited point. I'm talking myself <laughs> into it. Yeah, I can tell. I don't know. It's it's the kind of thing where I, I try not to get myself too excited before the season because I'm just like... That's again, how I normally like am. About. There's... That's how I normally am. But like this whole... The last couple days, like you just said, I've been slowly talking myself into it. Yeah. And uh, I just want to quickly uh, I say, don't know. fuck, I'm excited. <laughs> it's going to be great. We got a team. <laughs> yeah. I Hockey's don't know. Back. I, I can hope, I can hope so. I, I don't know. It's the kind of thing where my, exci- after having so much excitement last season and finally being like considered among the best teams in the league, just having such low expectations um, is probably safer. <laughs> I, like, yeah. That's totally Just after better. the disappointment of last year. Yeah. I, um, to be fair, and I've always been this way, even when I was younger, <coughs> I remember, I just love, I love watching teams that are just younger. Because they're generally less skilled, obviously. They're less, there's like, there's less of that veteran, like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. But just seeing that, like, speed and there's just more fun, it's just a, it's so much more fun as a fan to watch. And I think yeah. we're already seeing that in the locker room and in the things they're saying to the media and even with the coaching. It's a first-year coach, right? Like, they're still, like, it feels like everything is just coming together really, really nicely this year. And I think uh, yeah. if I, if you know what we should do so that we can look back in the year and think, God, Simon was an idiot. We should give predictions on how good we think the Flames are going to be. Because I think we're going to okay. have different predictions. I. Yeah, I do think I do think just to your point about the young players, I do think that is the one thing that with Daryl Sutter gone, you can objectively say will be better because I think the most frustrating thing that he did when he was a coach was refuse to play young players. That was yeah. the thing. I think I was her- higher on Daryl Sutter than most, especially because um, who was the fucking guy before Daryl Sutter? People forget about him. <laughs> what was his name again? Um, Jeff he Ward. was fucking. Yeah, he was fucking terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> people forget about that, and people forget how much Daryl Sutter transformed this team um, from what they were under Jeff Ward to what they eventually became um, oh, yeah. at getting that one season where they... Daryl um, Sutter may they, have been bad. We were blessed to have Daryl Sutter. <laughs> yes. As someone who watched that Jeff, Jeff Ward, Ward team, holy crap. That, that was, was the bad. worst... That was the worst hockey I think I've ever watched. Um, was that Jeff Ward team? Um, oh so after that, I think I was higher on Daryl Sutter than most. Um, just seeing what he did with that and knowing this previous success he had, I hung on a long time to hope. Um, but the one thing I would get frustrated with him um, continually was his lack of being willing to play the young players, especially when there were so many space fillers on this team. Cough, cough, Lucic. Yeah. Um, I... One thing and they just have I so think, many promising prospects, and I totally that agree. Just with you. like getting some of them up, yeah. Is... I think that uh, I actually think that Daryl Sutter's system can work still in the NHL. I just think that the Flames were absolutely probably the worst possible <coughs> to do it on, because especially when you think about that team that Daryl Sutter took over, our star was five foot nine. <laughs> Are like you think about the entire team that we had Although, back then, like, and it worked at the okay, at okay. First. It sure. I like 
It worked. But, good, but okay, that don't don't put it on Goudreau though, because you say their star was five foot nine. That's when we were actually good under the center I know. system. It's I know. As soon I'm as using it left. as an example. I'm using it as an example. I'm just saying that I think Daryl. The only way that a system like Daryl Sutter's could work is if it is a team that is built just through physical, like just physicality that old style of hockey. When last year, when you looked at the squad we had, other than like Kadri, Lucic. And hell, you could, like, I don't know if you really want to put Lucic even there. Like, as somebody who's an actual game changer, which he isn't. Like, no, I call him a space filler. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there you go. Up a but, like, just think about, like, the guys that we actually had who would, like, impact the game. Who would, think about who you would actually say would work in a Sutter system. Like, Huberto, absolutely not. Never. Like, even, like, last year, I think there, if there wasn't questions, there should have been about how well he would do in a physical system. Because he, in, yeah. especially in Florida, there was a lot more space for him to play as that sort of like finesse playmaker like that he we saw get 110 points. Which is why I think, which is a big reason why I think he will have a bounce back here. Because I think that this new look system is exactly what he needs to bounce back. I think that... Uh, this type of like hold on to the puck a little bit longer. It works a lot better with uh, <coughs> guys like Huberto because it actually allows them to use that skill that they have, where he has eyes on the back of his head. Like we're actually going to start to see his passing really, really work. I think for the Flames this year, and hell, hopefully we get to see him bury a couple too. Like we'll see. Yeah. But um, obviously, Ho- he's going to have like the so. worst right winger he's probably had, and that's me dissing Sharon Govich. But like. You know what I mean. He's yeah. not a first-line right winger. Oh, man. It's okay. Coronado by like, 10 just, ta- by. just talking talking about... I mean, talking about that just makes me miss Johnny Gaudreau this much oh, yeah. more. Can you imagine... Talking about this young team, can you imagine this team with Johnny Gaudreau? Oh, it's just we lost him for nothing, too. And now he's in the most poverty of poverty organizations in Columbus. Caleb, I don't know. I think, I think just him think moving about, to Columbus just think about Johnny Gaudreau. This, Grabbing all of Huberto's bullshit passes, snapping them top cheese. <laughs> I think Johnny Gaudreau moving to Columbus was probably the dumbest free agency free agency decision by a it was player dumb in the last twenty five years. The only argument for why it might work, and I was the one saying it, was that him and Patrick Line sounds interesting. It wasn't that interesting. <laughs> no. Like, uh, and I mean, I get it. I like, I get wanting to be close to home. That's fair. But at the same time, when you've been in Calgary for this long, like, I I don't know. Okay, it's not necessarily even about like that though, because you could, he could have gone to Detroit, he could have gone to New Jersey. Yeah. He could have gone. He could have gone to Philadelphia. Philly. Yeah. Anywhere else would have been better. He chose Columbus. Their best yeah, player and was a guy who's addicted to Philly. Fortnite. He's from Philly. Like, Patrick yeah. Laine gets more kills in Fortnite every night than he probably does goals in a year. Stop yeah. wanting to play with him. <laughs> can you can you imagine what Johnny Gaudreau's reaction was when Mike Babcock tells him on the first day of team meetings? Pull out your phone. Pull out your phone. <laughs> Let me hook it up to the whiteboard over here. Pull Come out on, your Johnny. phone. Heard you got married, Johnny. Let's see the photos. <laughs> Let's see them. <laughs> Yeah, you honeymoon? Let's see the wife and kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How's the beach? 
Oh my god. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, that Columbus team sucks. We should probably move on. We've talked about the Flames for long enough. I had my I had my fill. Yeah. We finally <laughs> got the we've had plenty of Caleb Bias Seahawks. We've now officially added Simon Bias Flames takes to the fresh play <laughs> playlist. I, th- I think it's I think it's funny. I think I I think I start hot and burn hot for my bias and you, you I, slow, it's a slow burn. No, it's no, a no. slow burn and you How reach the peaks. How it works is I start building up Right, I start building up. I reach like a peak, and then you start talking. Right, you bring your and so I and I realize, okay, you're kind of right on some of those points. And then I talk <laughs> it out. Right, I talk it out, walk it out a little bit, start going back up, start going back up, and then it keeps going. It's a wave. <laughs> Every ten minutes it changes, but hey, yeah, that like <laughs> half of the time I'm really excited for this team. <laughs> It's gonna be great. Well, let's let's hope that half is right. Yeah, let's hope that's yeah exactly. Yeah, one can only hope. Uh, one of the most interesting teams in the NHL the last couple of years, I think, has been the New York Rangers. Um, obviously, original six team playing in such a big market as New York, um, the more noticeable New York team, I think. Um, and as of recently, they've had some lofty expectations. Best goalie in the league, some high-profile players, Panarin, Patrick Kane last year, um, everybody, including me, had high expectations, and they have just, for the last couple of years, continually fallen flat on their faces, failed to live up to um, what they were projected to be, and recently we've had player Vincent Trocek uh, come out to talk about that, um, and I think he's put into words what I've kind of felt about the team in the last couple of years. Um, he said... This team has been looked at as a team that can take the next step in the future for a while now. That future is now. We don't have all this time to waste. It's put up or shut up at this point. And I think he's absolutely right. I honestly think last year was kind of put up or shut up. Um, And just looking at the roster in terms of the people they brought in at the trade deadline, like Kane, it very much seemed like a win now. Um, But I don't know. What do you think, Simon, in terms of how this Rangers team looks going into next year? Um, do you think they can take the step, and do you think like this is the year for them to make a run all the way to the Cup final? Yeah, I have I have a couple things that I want to break through slowly, just from even just what you said there, starting with the fact that they are for some reason the most well known New York team or most uh, established one, despite the Islanders going like fucking winning three in a row in the eighties. People forget that <laughs> it's really weird, and the Rangers only winning once in like the last. 80 years. Yeah. Well, I think I think it, that has to do with location. That has to do with location. Oh, it right? absolutely does. It's just The Rangers play at MSG and the Islanders don't. Like <laughs> The Islanders aren't The Rangers are a lot more marketable. Yeah. Yeah. They're a lot more marketable than the Islanders, that's for sure. But getting into the actual team. I uh they're like the if you were to look up disappointment in the 
dictionary, you'd see a photo of the Rangers. Because I want you to go back. We're going to go back in time here. I'm, I hope I get their year right on this one. 2021. They just drafted, drafted Capo Caco. I think. 2021. I You can check the year on that. But think, think about I it think like it this. Might have been earlier. The year before they drafted a not very well-known prospect. I don't know if you've heard of him. Alexis Lafreniere. And now they had their sniper. They were going to have somebody who had the potential to be a franchise generational playmaker and put him alongside a very, very high pick scorer, (coughs) sniper, what have you. And I was one of those people who was like, this team is going to be stupid in a year. Absolutely stupid. Like, there is going to be nothing that stops this team. And now if you look at daily faceoff, they have Capo Caco on the third line. Lafreniere is playing first, but God knows he shouldn't be there. Like this team, it's so it's so disappointing because they had so much potential. Like, God, you've had so many people walk through that door. You've been so blessed with talent, but you haven't been able to do anything with it. Like, uh, hell, Panarin has been crazy for them at points. It's just you go, you can go down the list. You mentioned Patrick Kane, obviously. We've heard about stuff coming out this offseason about him dealing with injuries last year and how he never felt 100% and now going into this season he's saying that he's going to feel 100% or he's going to make sure he feels 100% whenever he decides to you know sign with the Flames. But the the whole, I think the whole thing is just, they've gotten so much talent and just gotten so unlucky. It's so nuts to me because I, I don't know. You say this that last year was their make-or-break season. I still think that they have a lot of talent to put something together if they just need to get lucky. They need to finally get lucky. You know what I mean? And by lucky, I mean Lafreniere starts to play well. Capo Caco starts to play well. Like, you even go down the thing. They still have a very, very viable defense. That defensive core is pretty damn good. Any defensive core that has Adam Fox and Jacob Truba is going to be really good. And then... Hell, look between the pipes. Chesterkin. You you pretty much can't get better than that. Like, Jonathan Quick is going to be a decent enough backup. Like, veteran goaltender not going to complain about that. This team, on paper, on paper, should be good. But I think we've just been so... We're so ready to immediately write them off because we've seen this core just suck. Just absolutely suck. Like... Sure, they've yeah. made the playoffs, but they're with a team like this, when you have so much talent, like you said, playing in Madison Square Garden, like biggest city, biggest city in the United States, like all of these things, biggest market on like that side of the earth, and then just suck. It's yeah. just it's it's so disappointing, and I think. Uh, I, as much as I want to say that I, like I said, they just need to get lucky and I believe they will, I don't. I I don't have a lot of hope for this team this upcoming season. I don't think Lafreniere will get better. I don't think Capo Kaku, Cap, Kako, sorry, uh, gets better than that third, second line role. I don't think that Blake Wheeler looks like his former self in New Jersey. I don't think that any of these things is going to work. I think that they maybe are a first round exit at best. And that's the crappy thing with this Rangers team. I don't think I don't think Trocheck's going to be very. I don't think he's going to get a lot of uh, a lot out of this season if he thinks it's a make or break year. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. 
Like I yeah. said, maybe they just gotta get lucky. It's the kind of thing where... Um, I don't know. I'm looking at this roster now, and I just feel a little bit underwhelmed by it. I felt like last year they came in with a lot more talent. They definitely um, have a worse roster, for sure. This season, yeah. it's not a. It's not even... That's, a where, that's why I, I felt like last year was the make-or-break year, because I felt like they peaked um, in terms of their roster construction, because you only bring in guys like Kane um, if you're going to push for a Stanley Cup. That's where I'm kind of thinking, I don't know about make or break. However... No, we're forgetting Tarasenko. They lost him, too. Yeah, true. True. Um, Kane and Tarasenko, same kind of idea, right? Like, you're bringing in these veteran guys who were superstars in their prime, still stars, to push you over the edge, and you don't have them anymore, and so the top six looks a lot, a lot more just um, barren than what it did last year. They look... You know what's the word that I'd use? They look a lot more human. If you looked at their team on yeah. paper, on daily face-off, your jaw would have dropped as a hockey fan. Like, think about it. People were even talking about it. Like, the thing that I constantly saw in, like, I want to say maybe March, maybe February of last year, was imagine if you told somebody in 2016 that they're, that Artemi Panarin, Patrick Kane, and Vladimir Tarasenko were all playing on the same team. And that they also had arguably the best goaltender in the world. Yeah. Would you say, have? Wow, that team's going to go to the Stanley Cup Finals and sweep. No, they lost exactly. The round. That's what. That's what was so crazy about last year. Hell, we were just talking about this before the podcast. We do a like fantasy hockey draft together, like for the playoffs. Me and you both took a lot of Rangers players, and it <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> like they immediately sucked. <laughs> Like, we both were wrong on that one because it seemed like a sure thing. Like, uh, the comparison I was making going into the playoffs is they were the Bruins of old, right? Like, uh, where you could always rely on the Bruins to go pretty far in the playoffs at a certain point. They were, like, the one piece in the thing that never went out in the first round, no matter what. And then they just went out. Like, there's it. they didn't even really put that much. I don't remember how many games. It wasn't a sweep, was it? It I, was. Uh, it was. A, it went to game seven. Okay. Yeah. No. In the first round. Like it was just, but it was a series that they probably. No, against they the Devils. Them. Yeah, that's that's against what I the Devils. Yeah. The Devils are a Who, young team that they to be fair should have been. People were underestimating the Devils, but there is no <laughs> yes. way they should have had a horse in that race. Like the, the Devils, Devils are a it's, good it's team. Like, but they're not. It's that like the good. Devils. If they go out in the first round, you're like, "This is a young team. They'll be back and they'll be better next year." The Rangers, yeah. they go out in the first round, and it's like, "Where do you go from here?" The thing is, That's... I still think there is. I still think this is a playoff team, if the I right agree. things work. But I don't see them doing better than they did last year, unless they can like get a. But the, and the thing is, they won't get a favorable matchup because they're not better than like an eighth or seventh seed. Like, they'll be playing, like, a one or two. Yeah, which I don't know. Which isn't going to be favorable. They, they, are, they are in a weaker division. That is the thing. They're not playing in the Atlantic division, so they have a chance to you snag, know what? like... I, I always forget um, that. I always forget the that. The two That's or three seed. Point. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not like it was when, when we were kids, where it's like, if you're I, yeah. the eighth seed, a... you're playing the one. Thank you for bringing that up, because I always forget that. <laughs> but, yeah, but let's say even if they take on a 2-3-4 <coughs> in, like, the best world, right? Do you see, like, here, I, I'd have to pull up exactly who's in the Atlantic division, because I suck at remembering divisions. Okay, well, 
But all like, of the good te- all of the good teams are in the Atlantic. The Metropolitan, you're really only fighting with the Hurricanes, the Devils, maybe the Islanders, because maybe the and Penguins. all of those teams would probably give the Rangers a good fight. Yeah, like, I'd say it's... I. I don't know. I, roster wise, I'd say they're probably still like the third best team in that division. Um, I'd like them a lot better than the Who Penguins. You, that's what I was about to ask. I, Who do you have them above? I I think I agree with you just because I'm not sold on the Penguins goaltending. I haven't been for a long time. No. I don't think like Jari can get you pretty far, but he's not. He's no nowhere near like. They've been pretty blessed to have a lot of good goaltenders in that franchise's history. Like, I mean, you look at Marc-Andre Fleury, Matt Murray in that playoff run. They've had a lot of really good goaltending. I don't think that Tristan Jari, no matter how good of defense he has in front of him, can get elevated to that level. You can also argue that their defense isn't actually going to be that good, despite having Eric Carlson and Latang. But we can. That's a that's a whole other that's a you whole could. other thing, right? Like, uh, I I'm not that big of on the penguins either i also think they're a playoff team strangely so i i think that, i mean I've, I've i've already i've already said what i think about the penguins they probably sure. will make the playoffs but i think they're the stupidest franchise in the nhl right now yep um, but are you gonna tank when you have crosby on the roster and melkin nope i think you should <laughs> doesn't matter I mean, what I you should you do should've... god it yeah. doesn't matter what you should do it's the same argument with washington and ovi when he's that close yeah, are mean... you really gonna throw him away I You're going to let him ride it out. It's a, it's a few years of reliving the glory days for the next 10 years of sucking. So, yeah. I don't know. They're the, they're the next Red Wings. They're the next yep. Red Wings. Uh, we've talked about that before, but I don't know. It, the, I mean, the who Rangers, knows? <laughs> they kind of, I don't know. That's, that's mean to say about Mario. But, uh, like, uh, they kind of got lucky where they got Crosby in the last year they had Mario. Maybe it'll be the same. They'll get Bedard, too. Well, okay. <laughs> But the but why why the Penguins get Crosby because they sucked they were terrible. Yeah, yeah but who like, knows maybe gonna... what I'm saying is maybe in Crosby's like last couple of years they'll suck really bad or something who knows. Yeah, but uh, they, I don't think they'll they, let it happen. I don't think you'd have think, to get yeah. absurdly lucky. You'd have to. Get I think they're gonna lucky. keep padding this team with rosters until <laughs> Crosby's forty six. Like, well, he's not gonna play till forty six, but you get the picture. Like, I think the yeah. season that Crosby decides to retire will be the season that they start to go young. I think it's going to be the same thing with Washington. Like, that's just... Yeah. It's one of those things where, like, you you want to hold on, right? Like, you want to believe that Cro- you can still get something good out of a team that has Crosby and Ovi on it, when at the end of the day, realistically, you can't, and you need to go back and rebuild a more balanced team. Like, yeah. nobody expects Washington to do anything crazy this upcoming season, despite arguably having the greatest scorer of all time. Like, just because he's not, cause, he's not cause what he's he used been to be. in the league. He's been in the league since I was born. He's not yeah. what he used to be. Yeah. Like, and the thing is, he can still bury 30, 40 goals, which shows exactly how yeah. good he used to be. Like, he's oh. easily a 40-goal scorer. But, um, like, and he will be, and the funny thing is, he will be a 40-goal scorer until the time he decides to leave. He is so good at a niche that he, like, he can stand in that one spot and nobody's taking it from him. <laughs> Yeah. He can he can he's whip. Not, he he cannot lead a team to he a play has a been standing. He has been standing on that spot in like uh, by the hash marks 
since, like, me and you have been born, and no goalie has figured out a way to stop it. And they won't yeah. in the next five years. Like, uh, that'll forever be really funny to me. We kind of got off on a bit of a tangent now. But, uh, <laughs> basically, we're not very hyped about the Rangers. They won't be good. Trocek, sorry to disappoint you. Well, the one thing is, the one thing to consider is the fact that they had a coaching change. Um, fired Gerard Gallant. True. Brought in Peter Laviolette, which I think is an upgrade. It's the kind of thing where I think, like, I think the roster's works the worse, the coaching's better. I don't know. Um, it could be the same thing as the Flames, where maybe it, all it took is a new new uh, face there. Who knows? Yeah, and it's like, I, I don't think Gerard Gallant was bad, but it is Neither something to I. consider. I think that uh, you especially got to think about how much <laughs> everybody, even the Flames, were talking about potentially bringing him in before the Rangers gra- grabbed him. Like, there, everybody who didn't have a coach in that offseason wanted Gallant. Gallant was the number one guy, like, in yeah. that offseason, right? Like, uh, I still think that uh, I thought he was a good coach. But, uh, obviously, some coaches just don't work in certain places. So, um, who knows? Who knows? Who knows what the issue is with the Rangers? We'll find out this year. Yeah, we will. When we they will. suck. <laughs> yeah, when they when they are inevitably mediocre and get eliminated in the first or second round. When they somehow find a way to get swept by the very old Penguins. Probably. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't Can want you that to happen. Just wait. Just Do you remember awful. how bad Pens fans were in like the mid-2010s? It's going to be that again. I remember everybody was a Pens fan. Just that very much be. was... That's what I mean. Like, uh, <laughs> this is another tangent, but uh, I remember that I would have been really young. I would have been six or seven. And uh, for clear context, me and Caleb both grew up in Calgary. So Calgary, Alberta, opposite side of North America as Pittsburgh, now that we have all that established. I remember... For I was on a hockey team, and obviously six or seven, very young, and we had like an end of year book, and they had every player like put down their favorite player, right? And in my head, I was thinking everybody's gonna say Aginla, right? Everybody's gonna say Aginla. We're we're all Cal- we're all from Calgary. Everybody loves the Flames. Everybody was Crosby. I think there was me, there was me who said Aginla, and maybe one other person. Everybody else was crying, (laughs) which is still crazy to me, because like it really does show you how there was a point where everybody was a Pens fan. You are absolutely right. (laughs) I just remember getting upset at people for it because I was just like, "What are you doing with your cross?" My cousin, my cousin was a Pens fan and still is a Pens fan. I don't think I still haven't forgiven him. We don't talk. Yeah, (laughs) that's fair. The lesson from this Ranger segment is ostracize all the Penguins fans in your life. Don't yep. talk to them. They don't they, they don't deserve you. Yep. Damn right. So, we're going to get into the NBA now, moving out of the NHL. And uh, talk about something that's a little bit old, but I think both me and Caleb really want to talk about it. Because it is the big story. Where, especially in the last, like, five years, hell longer if you want to look at it like that we've been seeing teams rest their players like rest their players in regular season games we're seeing guys like Kawhi Leonard only play half the season at certain points and finally the NBA is starting to get like kind of start to break down on that which is I'm really happy about personally I think uh and I'm sure you are Caleb I I well who knows who knows what your opinion is on this but I can tell you that yeah who knows we're never gonna know it's all it's not like this is a podcast or anything 
But, um, yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, it's, it's really interesting because the more you read about this entire thing, it really does... Because there are arguments for actually resting your players that a lot of people like to ignore. I think there are definitely two sides to it. I think a lot of teams abuse it, which is why this is coming into effect. I actually don't think this policy is going to be around for a long time. That's a take that I want to get out there now, right off the bat. And I want to get your opinion on this because I think that it's too strict. As dumb as that wow. might sound. I think I actually do think it's uh, too strict because there are times because think about it like this. Let's say you are the Warriors. You win 40 games in the first however little bit. Do you really want to be playing Steph Curry in game 78? You've already clinched the number one seed. But you also don't want to get fined a million dollars. Right? Like, maybe you can make the argument that teams are willing to take that fine. But it's just... There are situations where resting your stars makes sense. It's the fact that they just need to break down on unreasonable resting. Because that's the issue. It's the stuff that Kawhi does. It's the stuff that... Hell, Anthony Davis sometimes with the Lakers, LeBron, like all these stars where they'll sit out for frankly no reason when there's people who could have driven 2,000 kilometers across the world to watch them play and paid a thousand bucks to be sitting in the nosebleeds just to watch LeBron in a fancy suit play with all his four rings on the bench. Like, it, it sucks for the fans, and that's a... That's how you kind of... that My way of knowing that this has been a problem for a long time and something that... Uh, a quote that I want to go back to is a Kobe, an old Kobe quote from, I want to say, 20, 2016, I think. I think this would have been late in his career where... Actually, I think it was his wife who came out and said this, but she, he said, she actually said that he... She at one point asked why he didn't sit out more games. Why Kobe like really just like was so strict about playing as many games as he could and he said exactly what i just said because he knows that people who don't have the money to be watching him play but still coughed off up the money to watch him once every 10 years are potentially paying to watch come to this to staples center and watch him play that's the reason that he ties ties up his shoes and plays game 78 but not everyone was co is kobe and as awesome as that is, it's just the fact that it I there's just two sides to the argument. I'll, I've been talking for way too long, so I'll let you I'll let you take it and give your take on it. But I I just wanted to say for one thing, I think that there's absolutely two sides to it. I think that it just needs to enforce on the just abuse of resting. I think that's the issue. Yeah, and I think it's a big issue in the NBA specifically. Like, you yeah. do not see this in other sports. This is a very uniquely NBA thing. Um, and I don't really know, like, I can wonder a guess on why that is. It's probably not as much as a thing in the NFL because they only have 17 games. So you'll see people resting out the last couple. But otherwise, normally, um, playoff spots and playoff seeding, which is a lot more important in the NFL, um, is in play until the last game. So you have players playing generally the whole season, maybe resting that last week, which is fair. Um, NHL, you never see that. I think that's just hockey culture. Um, MLB, like even though it's an 162-game season, you see players playing every game. I think that's partially because their sport is less physically demanding. It's part of the reason they play 162 games. But in the NBA, 
Um, who knows? Maybe it's just the perfect storm of something that is more physically demanding, something where teams can jump out to these huge advantages and have a spot in the playoff locked up by, like, I don't know, March. Um, and then players who, I think, think they're bigger than the team they're playing on. Um, but if I can quickly jump in, that's not necessarily the issue because a lot of players are resting in, like, November, December for, frankly, yeah. no reason, which is why this... That's that's part of, yeah, that's part of... Because the, the, the thing yeah. is, if you want to make the argument that when they make the playoffs, <coughs> that's when I think you should be resting star players. That is fair game to me, in my opinion. Because you want players to be ready for the playoffs. I think that the issue just comes down, like I said, to unreasonable resting. Like, uh, and it's not necessarily, you said that's not a thing in the NHL, but sometimes it is. Like uh, when you see teams, not necessarily, it, it depends on the situation. Generally, you'll see, like, you won't be seeing if, let's say, the Oilers go and win 50 games, right? They've got the, they've got the, I'm, you just stick with me here. <laughs> I see the look on your face. But they clinched the Western Conference already. McDavid's not playing the last five games. He's not. Like, uh, unless he's see, I, unless okay, he's fighting well, for the Art Ross, he's not fighting for He's not playing those last five games. Okay, or at least like, last uh, two. That, that, I, that I'd say... Yeah, last two. That I'd say is the equivalent of people sitting out in the NFL for week 18 or 17 or whatever the fuck it is now. Exactly. Um, it's, and that that's, is that's reasonable in resting. The NBA, in the NBA, they do not do that. They don't do that. And even with this resting policy, um, like it, I, I guess I can see where you say like it is a little bit stricter from sitting. Like it's a hundred thousand for the first violation, which um, is still a lot of money. Like uh, in the, you don't think about it, but it is a lot of money. Even just like teams don't want to risk that, right? And you got to realize they are going to still be resting these guys. Think about it like this. Just keep, I keep going back to this, but think about it. It's game 81. The Lakers already have 50 wins. They don't want to play LeBron, but they also don't want to pay a million bucks. Yeah. Like I do think okay, I I do think this is a um I do think we should get into the weeds a little bit more for what this rule actually is before we start talking about it specifically because it is um the punishment is for players that healthy star players that sit during national TV games and in-season tournament games. Um, oh, the other part, oh, I forgot the other that. Part of Never it, mind, I'm done. The other part of it is multiple all, all-stars sitting out from regular season contests together. Um, and that they define that as someone who's made all-star or all-NBA yeah. in the last three seasons. Um, and, and they also grant star players the ability to miss back-to-back games if they are over the age of 35, have played at least 34,000 minutes in the regular season and playoffs, 1,000 regular season and postseason games, or have a serious injury history, which I think all of that is fair. Um, and I think with, but, with, those, with those points brought in, I feel like that makes it not strict. Because if it, okay, if you know what? I agree with you. I want to start off by saying I agree with you. But... The P, that almost eliminates the last couple things you said. Like, go back to it. Like, serious uh, injury history, that eliminates Kawhi. Right off the bat. We can say that a Kawhi already doesn't, like, uh, he doesn't need to listen to this rule. Over 35 eliminates LeBron, Kevin Durant, like, uh, guys like that. 
And all of a sudden, you're going to start to notice that a lot of these guys who this rule was made for aren't going to have to listen to it. So now that you're pointing that out, yeah. I don't like this. Because <laughs> I think that... Uh, it's back-to-back. It's, back. it's not necessarily like... Um, I guess that's fair. Yeah, it, it's the kind of thing... I do think that is a good point. Um, because, yeah, you're right. It does impact the people that you would make this rule for. Um, but in terms of your previous point of... Um, reasonable resting and resting players when like the playoffs are already in hand the fact that they kept it to national tv games um kind of True. eliminates that so like if it's on national tv it's going to be a game that's relatively important um and at that point like why are you sitting out players do you, it but like and that's the point where i'm okay with enforcing that um yeah, the more we actually get into the nitty-gritty, I actually agree agree with you. I think we're we are very much on the same page. I I'm happy you brought it up because we would have looked like absolute dumbasses if you hadn't. So, and especially me. But uh, so I'm happy you brought it up. I think um, I don't know. Now that you bring that stuff up, I do like the rule. I do like the rule. I just think, I mean, we just I just called it too strict, but now I feel like it's too lenient, like. I don't think that uh, you should be giving guys, like, I, I just feel like, I, I don't know if there is a solution to it, but I just don't like it. I don't yeah. like that I, guys like Kawhi can just, like, s like I, sit I think around for half the year. I think it's a basketball culture thing. It is. Yeah, get, 100%. You get these players that feel like they're bigger than the team and feel like their brand overall is more important than their team success. And that's when they start sitting out and missing games. Um, and it's not about, like, having a big personality. Like, play, there's players in the NFL who have a big personality and still come out and play for their play hard for their team. It's just the self-importance of it all. And the healthy resting part, um, I get it if it's team-focused, where if you're making the playoffs and your team, like, it's not an important game to your team, fine. But that's not what's happening in the NBA, to your point. Um, and... I, I don't know how this rule will play out. It'll be interesting to see if it actually kind of stops all of the headlines you see all the time. So I just remember turning on SportsCenter a couple of years ago. It's like Kawhi Leonard sitting out, um, like Paul George sitting out, I don't know, like a name that old, generally a little bit older star player, um, a bunch of people. And I would just see that and think. And you and to the point of the, the Kobe comment, like the, the thing that Kobe said is not just like an anecdote or... Um, a hypothetical situation um, because TSN would like profile people and talk to people interview people who did come from hell like, so far like, away think about it from the hockey perspective we both I keep going back to this for some reason the same we both live in Calgary growing up I would probably get the chance to go to maybe one Flames game a year there was a point where it was like once every two years and I was lucky enough, like you said, it's a different thing in hockey culture, where when I did, I got to see a Ginla. I got to see Johnny Goudreau. I got to see all these stars. Think about it, like, even just think think about it from the perspective of, like, just put yourself in the shoes of, like, yourself when you're a seven-year-old. Like, and I'm talking to whoever's watching this. When you were seven, watching whatever team, you go in, you your family paid a crap ton of money so that you could go watch, and then a, a Ginla sat. A Ginla went... 
And my my ankle's kind of sore, you know. I shoveled my my walk earlier today. My arms are kind of, you know. Didn't have the Connor McDavid heated driveway. Yeah, so like he himself. yeah, like you know, just don't not not feeling it tonight, you know. Imagine that. Like, imagine how disappointed you'd be, right? That's where that's what it comes down to. That's what makes me really pissed off that this is such a thing in basketball. And it's it. There's a lot of issue the things that I have issues with with just the whole basketball like mentality i guess of like that or like the whole what's i'm tired i'm forgetting like the words for it but you know what i mean like the the whole uh just how things work it's so different to the hawk because i got into basketball i like really got into basketball later on like i probably got into it like in like 20 well i got into it in kobe's last year so 2016 that was like the first year I actually started like watching basketball. And so keep in mind that would have meant for like the first 12 years of my life I was solely watching hockey, right? I was solely just watching and like all of these and you I grew up in that hockey environment. And then you watch how they do it in basketball and it's just like come on, man. Play with a sore ankle. There's some kid sitting in the nosebleeds who came here to watch you, right? Like you got to it's so it's so disappointing that this yeah. is still an issue in something like yeah. this. Yeah, and I think about like just to give a personal example, like me again to bring it up for the the fiftieth time for this podcast. We live in Calgary, um, and as a diehard Seahawks fan, that means I'm not exactly close to where my team is. So for the first, um, I don't know how old I was when I first saw a Seahawks game in person, probably like 14 or 15, so I've been cheering for the team for a long-ass time, um, and I finally get the chance to go to a game. Like, I had, I had gone to Seattle and toured the stadium before I watched the game, which was very cool, but also sad, because I saw the stadium without anybody in it and nobody <laughs> playing. Um, but I finally got the chance to go see a game in Tampa Bay, um, and it was the shittiest game of football I've ever seen in my entire like life um if anybody wants to go look up that game um tampa won by a score i think of like 12 to 5 um <laughs> and the most interesting part of that game uh is it 5 to 7 i'm trying to oh no that's baseball um i don't know when it was it was like 20 it was 20 like 16 or something yeah. um but the most entertaining play of that game was Richard Sherman yelling at the referee to get a review because he thought it was a safety, and then they reviewed it, and it was a safety. That was the most exciting part of the game. So that was complete shit. However, <laughs> it was still an amazing experience because I got to go and be like, oh, sure. holy shit, that's Russell Wilson. Holy shit, I can see Richard Holy Sherman crap, he's even shorter in person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But, that but I'm really happy where... you brought that up, actually. I don't know why I didn't think of that first, because that's a really good example. Like, because, uh, hell, I've never seen a Seahawks game. If I went to a Seahawks game this year, and I went, and they all of a sudden they just went, yeah, Geno's going to sit. We're going to have Drew Locke play. Drew I would Locke. be like, are you, are, you, are you fucking kidding me? I drove yeah. across the country to watch Drew Locke. <laughs> like, it's... Oh hell! Imagine like, if back then Russ sit sat like Russ was like, "Eh, yeah, my I, ankle." And that that was that's the only time I've ever seen and ever will see. I don't plan on going to any fucking Broncos games. That's the only time I'll ever <laughs> see my favorite childhood player play. In there you person. go. 
Yeah. Because, like, he, like, obviously, Russell Wilson not looking quite the same now, but, um, like, he was, like, my favorite, um, like, sport, like, player in sports in general. I had posters of him up on my wall, and I got to see him once in the shittiest yeah. game that the Seahawks have probably ever played, but I didn't really... As much as I was mad about them only scoring five points, I still got to see Russell Wilson play a game of, of course in person, and that yeah. was still cool. And robbing people, especially like young kids, of that experience, um, it's just so selfish. Uh, it really is. Yeah, like you are getting paid thirty-five million dollars. I don't care if you don't have an ankle. Get a new one. Tape it on. Tape it together. You got a separated shoulder. Tape it. <laughs> like that's the thing that as listen there's a lot of things wrong with hockey culture and we talked about that i think last week and i got into that i because i do think there are a lot of things wrong with hockey culture but i think that that's one thing that hockey does have right where i don't think that players should there should be some sort of respect for the fact that you are here to put on a show you're getting paid in hockey it's a lot less although still a ridiculous amount of money you could be getting paid five. You're getting paid five million dollars. At the end of the day, you're getting paid that much, not because you're good at the sport. It's because people want to watch you. That's why you're getting paid that much. You're get and the second that people stop wanting to watch you, you go right back to just playing on the streets of like, like think about it like that, right? Like you're not here because you're a good basketball player. You're here because people want to watch you. And sure, that has to do with the fact that you are a good basketball player. I guess I'm making it sound like that. You know what I mean. You know what I'm trying to say, right? It all comes back to the fact that you do have to, you do have to respect the fact that like people are coming to sh- to watch you who can't, right? It's not just Jack Black sitting on the sitting on the baseline, right? Like it's it's more than that. But we should yeah. we should move on. We've talked we've yeah we've talked about this a lot. You get the you get the general picture. Like, it is a big issue in basketball. I think it's going to keep on being a big issue. I don't think this solves it, is mostly what I'm trying to say. I, well, I The we'll more we've gone into it, it, the more I like we'll it. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it yeah. plays out. That's going to be the biggest thing. Like, we just have to see how it There's plays, always a loophole. We'll see if the headlines goes down. Yeah, someone will find a loophole. And I, I do like the fact that they're making some sort of rules. Like, it's not maybe it's not perfect, but at least they're making some sort of an effort. Um, yeah. But yeah, I before we end, I just wanna I pulled up the Seahawks Bucks game that I went to. Uh, <laughs> let me just. Uh, so yeah, they didn't score any points other than in the second quarter when they scored a safety and a field goal. Um, Russell Wilson was seventeen for thirty three with one hundred and fifty one yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. He was sacked six times, and had a passer rating of thirty eight, which is about the same as if you chucked it into the ground every time. Um, other than if your name was Russell Wilson, the Seahawks' leading rusher had 38 yards. Um, the Seahawks' leading receiver um, was Doug Baldwin, who had 34. I guess Jimmy Graham had 67, but even that's not great. Um, and we got beat by James Winston. But I still had a great time. I saw my favorite players. Don't sit there. There you go. Because yeah, don't sit out. Then, even then, you can make a 14-5 to shit show of a game somewhat exciting. Yep. And, like, I mean, who knows? Well, not who knows. Don't sit out. I say that a lot. That's one of my go-to things in this, who knows. It's not a who knows. Don't sit out. Don't be a prick. We know. Yeah. yeah. If, you could, like, if, if, your body, if your body is well enough to play, play. Yeah. We know. Like, there's, I don't know. We've talked about this for long enough. I've said all I want to say. We're good. Yeah. 
Next segment, magical twist transition. That's not actually gonna be here. Woo! Uh, chair okay. cam. A chair cam. Okay. Uh, talking. Moving on to talking about the MLB, which we haven't done in a little while, but things are starting to get interesting because teams are making the playoffs, missing the playoffs, and the most significant team to miss the playoffs is the team that you think of when you think of the MLB. You say, name an MLB team, probably the first one you think of for good reason. And that is the New York Yankees. As this Personally, I would have said the Oakland Athletics, but I mean, hey. Okay, okay. Not everybody has such refined taste as you, Simon. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, after consistently making the playoffs and obviously consistently being good, um, they've missed the playoffs after underperforming since 2016. Um, first time since then, um, they've made the playoffs every year since then. They've not necessarily performed well in the playoffs, but you'd expect them to be a consistent presence, and this year that's not going to be the case. Uh, Simon, obviously I know you're, you're happy about this news, um, as most people probably should be, but uh, what are your thoughts on this Yankees team as a whole and the fact that they're not going to be playing for the World Series this year. Uh, cry me a damn river. That's what I think. Infinite money glitch doesn't work! It's kind of weird. Honestly. That's my that's my honest, honest reaction. Because, uh, they... I don't know. It's so weird that they're not even, like, in contention anymore. Especially when you, like, actually look at the record, right? They're, they do have a positive record, but that AL East is just a... Like a dog... <coughs> You know what I mean? It is a yeah. fight. Like, because, uh, I mean, you go, they are 80 and 77 as of recording this. I don't know if they play tomorrow, so maybe it'll be, maybe that'll change. But maybe it won't, who knows. Anyway, they are 80 and 77. But you go up that list. Like, even the only team behind them is the Red Sox, who are 76 and 81, which isn't even that bad of a record. It's a losing record, but it's not that bad. Right, it's not like this division yeah. necessarily has a bad team. Above them, eighty-seven and seventy Blue Jays, ninety-six and sixty-two Raids, and ninety-eight and fifty-nine Orioles. That is three teams who are really, really good and probably, maybe, will all make the playoffs. Right, like that's the that's the nuts thing. That's why the Yankees are struggling. Like obviously they have their own issues, but I just wanted to highlight that because which really does show how weird it is that they are struggling as much as they are. At least in my opinion. Or it's yeah. like uh, it it adds a little bit more context, I guess, with how good this division is. But we can get into their actual squad and the reasons they've been struggling because there are a lot of them. There they did run into. I didn't follow their whole season a lot, but I followed it enough to know that they ran into the injury bug quite a bit this year. That was an issue at certain yeah. points. I remember there was a point where Judge was out for quite a bit after starting the year really really hot. I remember there was points where they were struggling with injuries all across their lineup. And obviously the second they lost Judge, they ran into a lot of issues because the second you lose a hitter like him, you're going to be struggling a lot. And, I mean, I think they'll bounce back next year. I I don't think this is a sign of a direction the Yankees will be heading in. They still have Judge for another eight seasons or whatever. They'll do something with it, right? They They will not stay out of the playoffs next season. But uh, I'll let you. I'll let you give your take on what you think went wrong. It went so 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 wrong for the Yankees this season. Other than infinite money glitch, no worky worky. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, obviously it's injuries, but I do feel a little bit vindicated in the fact that they missed the playoffs because, um, I don't know, you, you, can, you can talk about the infinite money glitch, but it really is a huge problem in the MLB. Aside from the many other reasons I, uh, out of the four sports we talk about that it's the one I'm the least interested in. Um, sorry to diss any baseball fans. Um, but the re- part of the reason is is because I, as a Seattle Mariners fan, know that my team will never be as consistently competitive as the Yankees just because we're a smaller market and have less money. And that just doesn't, like, I don't know, make sense in my mind. It doesn't feel fair because it isn't, um, and it's just not a good system to have. I think part of the beauty of sports is that teams fall in and out of contention generally, um, because when you win, it makes it that much better knowing that um, your team has struggled beforehand, right? It's a catharsis over all of the years that you've had to struggle. Um, even the Chiefs, with how like good they've been in the last few years, they went 50 years in between winning Super Bowl four and then winning Super Bowl four with Patrick Mahomes. That feels justified in a way because Chiefs fans have struggled for so long. With the Yankees, it's like, I just need them to start sucking because they have never really had, like, going back, like, even, I don't know MLB history that well, but even going back, like, a hundred years, um, they have the most World Series titles in the history of the MLB by quite a long shot. They've got Babe Ruth. They've got all of these legends that have played for them. It's like, oh, my God, and you just need to be knocked off your pedestal. I, while, while you went through that, I wanted to, I pulled up a stack reel. And I want to get your guess because I think the guess is probably going to be more valuable than the stat because it really does show. So right now in front of me, I have – and this will this will surprise you. I'll start with this. The the Yankees aren't actually the most valuable – or the team that was expected to pay spend the most amount of money this year. It was actually the Mets by mm. actual uh, – by actually quite – they also sucked. They, they also, also sucked. sucked. But – I wanted. I also have how much the A's were set to spend this season. Mm. How big of a dip, or yeah, how big of a difference do you think there is if you were to just put a number on paper? Let me let me quantify it as this. So let's just see. Aaron Judge is getting paid a nine-year, three hundred sixty million dollar contract. So that's three hundred sixty million dollars for one player. I bet the A's entire roster makes less than that. I need a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a second. I, I bet that, okay. So that's $40 million a year. That's $40 million a year. So your guess is that the A's are making $40 million? Okay, okay. No, no, no. I say I say that the A's are making, okay. I'll say the A's. Are we talking in terms of how much they pay so their entire payroll team per year? For one year. Payroll is okay. the entire salary. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say a hundred and. Fifty million. Okay. Okay. One hundred fifty million. That is your guess, right? How much do you think the Yankees are paying? Ooh. Okay. I will tell you, it's probably not as high as you think. Okay. It's it's still obscene. It's still obscene. But that makes my A's guess feel a little bit rough. Okay, I'm gonna go like six hundred million. <laughs> I don't know. For one year. 
Okay, well, I'm thinking about how many people are on a it's baseball a, it's team. Hard to, it's, hard to, it's hard to it's hard to quantify. Okay, I'll go like 300. Okay, 300 million is a good guess. So, 300 million. The Yankees are actually making two. They the exact number is 278. The A's. Okay. You know what's funny? Your guess of 40 million was closer than your guess really? of 150 million. They really? were set to spend wow. 57 million. On their team, which means wow, so it's which means it's literally the same amount. If as they brought on, let's think about it like this: How many people are on a baseball? This is this is math with science. <coughs> That's how you know the math's probably going to be wrong. But follow me here, okay? Follow me here. Let's think about it like this: There are nine people in the starting, like the batting uh, order. Nine people in the batting order. You probably have five starting pitchers, so fourteen. Throw in. I don't know, five, another five relievers, right? Five relievers, 19 players, right? And then you probably have maybe, how many bench players? Like four? So that would make it, let's say yeah. 23. 23 seems like a fair number for a full baseball team, right? So think about it like this. They're spending 57. 57 divided by 23. That means they are paying $2.4 million per player, right? That means... Let's say they bring on the Yank. They they bring on. So quick math here: two point four, or one second. I'm doing math. Give me a second. If they brought on Aaron Judge, they wouldn't even be able to fill a full batting order. They would only be able yeah. to sign seven additional players. <laughs> the Athletics, which really does show. How unfair the league is. Because think about it like this. It's not like the Yank Aaron Judge is the only guy on a big contract on the Yankees. You should see Stanton's contract. That's another big one. Hell, Rodon, another big one. There are multiple people who are on the Yankees who are making two Yankees players is wor- are worth probably double, close to double, probably more than double, like uh, the, the A's. Right? Like, you got to think about it like that, where it's just nuts. It's nuts how unfair it is. I took way too long doing that math. That was embarrassing. But, like, <laughs> I ain't no I, mathematician, I, I big dog. To, I think it's a good way to quantify it. It is. It's, it's a good, good way to quantify it. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to look into the actual math of that because that's something I've thought for a while. Because you, you've been, everybody's been hearing, I don't know if you've heard this, but I feel like I've heard at least once how people have thought, maybe Otani will go to the ace. I don't know if you've heard that. But I feel like I have heard that somewhere. I don't know who's saying that. <laughs> I feel like I've heard that somewhere. Think about it like that. Otani would have to play <coughs> that so many different positions. He'd be their only starting pitcher. Like, that really does show how unfair yeah. the MLB is. The A's are set up to fail. Teams like the A's, hell. Yeah. One second. The, the, like the A's will never win a World Series. Hey, like, one second. I, I, one second. I don't know. I don't actually know if they've won so, one in their history. But if the they A's, haven't, they're never getting the one. The A's, one second. So, 2023, yeah. Okay, I have it in front of me. The A's actually ended up getting the $61 million, right? The next closest is the Pirates at $68 million. Okay. We've gone on a complete tangent from the Yankees. But welcome to the Trick Play Podcast. Like, uh, the next up is surprisingly, this one's super impressive. Oh, wow. A couple of these are really impressive. This will surprise you. Take a guess who number three is. And I will give you a hint. In terms of the lowest payrolls? I will give you a hint. They are a divisional leader. 
right now, I believe. Ooh, Tampa Bay? No, Tampa Baltimore. Bay is four. Baltimore is three. Okay. Baltimore okay. is only paying $71 million to their players. That's Im- See, that's, that's way more. That's the thing, though. That's the thing. It, it, it's all the Moneyball shit, too, where it's like Moneyball is an interesting movie because it shows just how much more teams like the A's have to try to be good at anything. To be good at anything, because not only can well, the Yankees hey, afford better players, but they can also think about it like fuck this. up so much more, just to and have so much of a bigger margin just to show there. you the disparity. Because this, this, I'm really liking this site. We already highlighted the top of the league. I didn't mention this. The Mets spent 343 million, which is That's significantly insane. more than the Yankees, and they still sucked. That's insane. But just going back on it, the league. Guess what the league average is. So we just to just to refresh, the Mets were number one, three hundred forty-three million. The A's were number thirty. On this list, they had spent sixty-one million. What do you think the league averages? Hmm. I'm gonna go. I'll just say what I said for the A's initially: one hundred and fifty. One hundred sixty-four million. Okay. So think about it like this. The average for most of the league is 164 million. And the A's are working with 61 million. They almost have one third of what the average team has. That's nuts. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can compare it yeah. all you want to what the Yankees, Mets, Padres are spending. But even when you look at, like, the mid-tier team. Like, you look at the teams in the middle. That's Chicago White Sox, Minnesota Twins, Colorado Rockies, surprisingly the Red Sox. Like, uh, teams like that, who are all around there, who are spending that much. The Yank- the the A's literally have to be counting their damn pennies to keep up with the mid-tier teams. It's wild. Yeah. It's crazy, it's crazy that that's a it thing is. in the MLB. Yeah. And to, to- it is. And, like, to swing back around to the Yankees- that's why them missing the playoffs is such a big deal. It's because they had, like, that means I, I think the Yankees season is more of a failure than the A's season, who are currently, like, 48 and 117 or whatever the fuck. Because, like, to be that bad relatively to how much you're spending um, and miss the playoffs, like, if you are spending that much money and have that much, like, payroll making the playoffs should not even be a question when you have that much of an advantage over everybody else. Um, so when you fail like that, that's just so much more embarrassing. For sure. Um, and it's frank, it's frankly deserved. It's frankly deserved. I love so much more seeing um, these teams that have a smaller budget like Baltimore. Like, I don't even like the Orioles. Neither but do I. <laughs> it's so much more rewarding to see... Like, I'd rather have the Orioles win something than the Yankees just because... Um, Looking at a team like that, it really uh, does show you though how impressive it feels more that deserved is, that they're winning that. Because like even just look inside yeah. their division, not to point a finger finger at my own Blue Jays, but the Blue Jays are at nine, making two hundred million, and they're currently getting like they're ten wins behind both the Tampa Bay Rays and the Orioles, who both have less than eighty million dollars spent. Well, that's nuts. That's real nuts. Yeah. Like. Uh, it is so impressive what they've been able to put together this season. And that's coming from a guy who cheers for a division rival. Like, I just want to really emphasize, like, how impressive it is what they've been able to pull off. I can respect that way, way more 
then I can then I respect like the Yankees pulling out a hundred win season with yeah. their infinite money glitches, right? Like I'm curious, like when was the last name? One second, I'm gonna go back. I had it in front of me. What? One second, give me a second. They the last time they won a hundred wins was 2019. What was their payroll in 2019? So 2019 Yankees payroll. No way that's right. No way that's right. I refuse to believe that's true. Am I dumb? Uh. Oh, okay. Well, maybe the whole league's amount of money spent has gone up a stupid amount in the last couple of years. It's only 212. I thought it'd be way more. Hmm. That's so disappointing. Well, I was really money, hoping that... Money, money, do, money does go up over time. Yeah, right? I was really thinking that I was going to defend my take. Well, I'm just going to sit in the corner and look dumb now. We can end the thing now. Okay, well, um, but, like, I'm just looking at it, comparing it to stuff like the the NFL. So the difference between the top and the bottom team in the MLB, so we're talking the Mets and the... Is about, um, like, 300 A's, million. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, 282 million. Yeah. Then, so if, if the separation between those teams is 282 million, can you guess what the separation is between the top and the bottom NFL teams. Can I quickly just say that I'm fairly certain that you could probably build two full NFL teams with the 280 million difference (laughs) in between (laughs) the Yankees. You can build well the the highest the highest payroll well let let me just give you this then. The highest payroll in the NFL is this feels not right, but it's the Eagles um, at 234 million, so yes, you could field an entire NFL team with just the difference in money between the Mets and yep. the A's. And I told, yeah, but <laughs> my guess is, and this is from years of playing Madden. Maybe I'm trying to think. Like, it's probably gonna be like, I'm, it's probably gonna be the Cardinals. I'm thinking. It's actually not. Is it it's really? a team that's very surprising. Is it? The Cardinals are actually it's very surprising. I'm honestly shocked and a little bit scared. The Cardinals are twenty eighth, so they're not like, a little bit scared. Old, okay, so they're a good team. Is it the Bengals? Yeah. No. Oh, that'd be the one that there's a bigger reason why there's a bigger reason why I'd be scared. The forty niners? Yeah. What the by, hell? By a significant holy by a crap! Significant How much are they margin. paying? Uh, hundred ninety-two. So that leaves a difference of about forty million. <laughs> holy they have, crap! They have twenty million more dollars. They have tw- they paid twenty. So the Bengals, your your guess with the Bengals was a good guess because they're thirty-one. Okay. Do you know who thirty is? Do you know who thirty is? Texans. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. The hell? How? The Chiefs, Bengals, and Niners all have the lowest payroll in the NFL. <laughs> According to... I'm just, I'm just going to shout out this website just in case that's dead wrong because that doesn't feel right. Spottrack.com. Um, I don't know, but... That um, does feel weird, doesn't it? It does. Like, Bengals actually kind of yeah, make sense because they have a lot of younger guys, right? Like, that was why I guess... Yeah, Bengals. although they're just starting, they're just starting to pay... Um, Burrows. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Although I do think like so, some teams are cap wizards, right? So yeah, like, that's true. 
they they put stuff further in the future. I think that's that was the Rams' problem, right? Is that like they just put everything in the future until the future eventually came? That's probably <laughs> what the Niners are doing a similar thing. Um, okay, well we should yeah, end this. To, We've just, talked about money just, for too just, long. Just My to put that in explore. perspective. Yeah, just to put that in perspective again: forty-two million difference versus two hundred eighty-two. Think on that, and think on that in terms of how embarrassing it is for a team spending that much money. As a little bit of a comparison, the son of the Athletics owner gets to drive around on one of those, like, Toys R Us Jeeps when he's five, you know? Like, you know like you know what I'm talking about. The things that go, like, five kilometers an hour, <coughs> like, as hell, everybody hates them. Like, all your neighbors hate you for yeah. owning one. While the five-year-old of, like, whatever the Yankees owner's name is, I always forget it, like, uh, whatever his name, the son of his got a Lamborghini when he was five and probably was driving it on highways when he was six. Yeah. Probably was already getting speeding tickets. Yeah. Because that's the difference. <laughs> How many Lamborghinis can you buy with $280 million? <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> So maybe it's maybe it's the opposite. Question. How much money is the athletics owner saving by not spending that much? How much how, is how much is a Lambo? Yeah, how much is a Lambo? How much is a Lamborghini? Two hundred Lamborghini thousand dollars at eleven. Yeah. So you times can, that by five. They bought, they bought one Lamborghini. Times that by five. So two hundred. So times that by five. That's a million. Oh yeah. So five times so two hundred and eighty-two. Is like a thousand four hundred and ten. That's how much Lamborghinis you can buy with that. Oh, that's amazing. Fill an entire, <laughs> fill an entire parking structure with that. Fill an entire baseball stadium. Yankee Stadium is filled with Lambos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you love to see it. It is time for your weekly football. We gonna football. It's time. What a great intro. I'm tired. Let's get into it. We just had week three. It's kind of weird that we're doing this at the end. Normally we do this at the beginning, so I'm trying to figure out where to start with this. We're probably just going to break down a couple games this week. I didn't get to watch a lot of them. I didn't get to watch a lot of the action. I know Caleb got to watch, I want to say, a majority of this, right? Like, uh, we, we got to see quite a bit of, or he got to see quite a bit of this. I'll do my best to just follow along. We're going to break down what happened, maybe get down into some of the nitty-gritty. I know Caleb wanted to talk a little bit about Justin Fields if we get a chance to maybe talk about that. We'll see how much time we got towards the back end of this thing. But um, let's see. Well, we can start off. We've got uh, Chargers and Vikings, which I remember hearing was a really, really good game. Caleb, what do you think on the – what did you think on it? I'm so – okay, so I I watch Red Zone, obviously, because that's the only way you can really get – everything this is a game where i'm it's it's it feels like an event it feels like an event because these both these two teams there's just you know they're they're the two teams where like chargering is a verb right you can charger like they did in the playoffs against the jags where you can just insanely like plummet off the face of the earth same thing with the vikings they are both i don't know what the word is they're 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 the franchises with the most personality. You don't know what they're going to do from week to week. And they both have had very interesting starts to the season where they have both come in with huge expectations um, and completely shit the bed. They've had a couple games that they lost to good teams, Chargers, Dolphins, um, Vikings, Eagles, and they've had a couple games where they shit the bed against 
um, opponents they should have beat. Um, Vikings, Bucks, and Chargers, Titans. And they're coming into this game knowing that an 0-3 start pretty much... It doesn't doom you for the playoffs, but that means you have to go, what, like, 10-3 and 3 the rest of the way? I guess, um, like, either 11-3, and 10-4 with the extra games. Um, but that's hard to do. Um, so it really does put the playoffs, like, kind of out of reach. So this was a huge game. And it was the most, I think, to put it into a single play, the play that defined the game for me, is because Justin Herbert played great. He played a great game, and he has one shitty throw. It's a throw that goes right into the hands of a Vikings defender, and this play should be an instant pick, but it bounces right off of the middle of the hands of the Vikings defender up in the air and caught by the Chargers receiver for the game-winning touchdown. If that's not the most Vikings play of the last, I don't know, few years... Um, then I don't know what is. Um, props to the Chargers for getting this win. Their season looks a lot more salvaged. Um, Vikings fans, it's rough. You can c- continue to show the Kirk Cousins graphic of him throwing for 6,000 6, yards and 51 touchdowns and, like, nine picks and going 0-17. Um, it's going to be nuts. Best season yeah. ever. Wins MVP without a win. <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, at this point, starting, at, this, at this point, it's starting to look like that because they again we talked about this um, last episode, but their schedule is not getting any easier, right? Um, they'll probably pick up a win next week um, against the Panthers, um, but then they've you got the Chiefs that. and Niners on their schedule. We don't know because I mean you thought they were going to do that against the Bucks, um, yeah. but they've got the Chiefs and Niners coming up. So like out of that stretch, are you coming out of it like two and five? At that point, the playoffs feels totally out of reach. Um, it's the kind of things for the Vikings where they're such a good team, and I think they might even be better than they were last year, um, roster-wise at least, but they're just getting... Um, it's just these small little moments that are going wrong for them where every small little moment went right for them last year um, uh, that I'm just I'm just looking at this team being like, I, I, don't, I don't know what kind of year this is going to be for you just because of how awful of a start it's been. Um, I don't know. How, how are your hopes for the Vikings making it into the playoffs after an 0-3 start and then the Chiefs and Niners coming up in their next four games? Well, I started off the year a lot higher on them. I, I, I've, I've said this multiple times on the podcast now because of how much we've gotten the chance to talk about it. I, out of all the people in the world, I especially like... I feel like I'm a lot higher on Kirk Cousins than most. And if anything, I feel more confident in that, watching a lot of the stuff we've seen this year. Just You keep bringing up the stats, 6,000 yards, no wins, right? It's, that's crappy. But I feel like a lot of these losses aren't necessarily his fault. He still has looked good in most of them. I, I don't know. Because, yeah, you make a very good point about their schedule being tough. They're in a very, very tough division. Sure, like, uh, ah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm liking the Chargers' odds a bit more than I'm liking the Vikings. That's all I'm trying to say. Now, especially picking up this win for them. I could see them starting to turn around. I don't know who they're playing next week. I'd look into that. I made that mistake with, what, Giants, 49ers? Who ended up? <laughs> what did it, that, that worked out for me, right? Giants won that and then went undefeated for the rest of the year, right? right? Uh-huh, definitely. Yeah. 
And yeah. Chargers play the Raiders. Chargers play the Raiders. But then they okay. play the Cowboys and Chiefs back-to-back. Raiders is not a bad game. That's a winnable game. That's a that's a very winnable game for them. Like, the Raiders, I think, have looked a little better than people have expected them to this year. But um, they still... Not on Sunday night, they didn't. Not on Sunday night, they did Did they not? For some reason, I thought... Oh. Well, they I lost they to the Steelers. Nope. Right! Oh, I'm, they why lost am I getting... to the Steelers, which... Brief, brief interjection... Josh McDaniels has got to be contender for the worst coaching decision of the entire season. Um, fourth and four from within the 10-yard line of the Steelers, so prime to score, down eight with only a couple of minutes left, decides to kick a field goal. Has to be one I did of the dumbest decisions that. I've yeah. ever seen in my entire life. Um, you have that much faith in your defense, which has been shit, to get a three and out, um, and you have that little faith in your offense when that's literally the only path you have to a win. Stupid coaching. Stupid coaching. Yeah. But that's what I'm basically trying to say. I think, maybe not last weekend, but I think other than that, they've... I, I'm talking out of my ass. I feel like I've heard that they've been good. Despite, I will say, I've worked a lot of weekends lately, so I haven't been able to watch a lot of NFL games. Just throwing that up. So if I make a bad take, I don't know. I'm they're, sorry. They're <laughs> fine. They're average. They're the Chargers should win. They um, are... Why is there not a record here? Why are you not showing me a record? One standings? and two. They're one and two. They're one, one and two. two. That's worse than I thought they were actually. But they they beat they beat the Broncos by one points. Got ass slapped. By all the I'm saying. All I'm there. saying is that they're better than people thought they were going to be. I think probably maybe, and that they will <laughs> probably get mollywopped by the Chargers. Yeah, I think I think the Chargers the Chargers will be fine. The Chargers. Now, will the Chargers make the playoffs is another question. Like, getting off to that 0-2 start, because we, if you watched our AFC preview, you know how competitive we think this AFC is going to be, especially with teams overperforming that we didn't think would overperform, like the Browns, who are doing surprisingly good. Um, there's a couple teams in that realm. Obviously, there's some teams that have underperformed, like the Jets, for obvious reasons. But um, it's still going to be tough to get a, tougher to get a spot there. But... The Vikings, it just does seem that they lack the kind of killer instinct that they once had. Um, and I think the play that I'd like to bring attention to with that is um, end of the game. I watched this live on Red Zone. Um, they go, it's fourth and five. Um, so it's for the game at that point. There's less than a minute left. Um, they convert the fourth and five. They don't have any timeouts. So they hurry up to the line. And they don't get the play snapped for another 20 seconds. I believe it goes from like 35 to 15. They waste all this time and then Kirk Cousins throws a pick. When getting a touchdown there would have won you the game. Why do you A, not go down and spike it, B, not have another play called at the line, um, and then C, how after taking all of that time do you not have a better play? Because he threw it into traffic and it was just like um, tipped up like three times. That was not a play where they're going to score. That's the kind of thing where I wonder how much different it is this year from last year because last year um, they're winning these games with long balls to Justin Jefferson that are completely improbable, but now they can't get the ball into the end zone from 10 yards away and they just keep like screwing everything up. Um, and it really does feel more like karma than anything. Um, but I don't know. It's a it's an interesting dilemma that they're in. And it's one that I think they've, I, I think they have the talent to make the playoffs, but they've certainly dug themselves 
a big hole, and they need to relearn how to win these close games, because if they keep coming out of games like this, coming out so flat in this last five minutes, and just having this many mental mistakes, it doesn't matter how good Kirk Cousins plays, um, they're going to get swept under the rug by both the Lions and this resurgent Packers team. But, hey, at least they're better than the Bears. Yep. <laughs> exactly. At least they're better than the Bears. We can move on. Yep. We're going to... The next one we have in the docket <laughs> is Cardinals and Cowboys, which is, when I saw the score of this one, safe to say, I was pretty shocked. This was another one. Didn't get the chance to watch. So I'm going to let you again, Caleb, take this one. Because I'm sure you have a couple things to say, and I'll bounce off what you say. But um, even just looking at the stats for this one, absolutely nuts. I think this is... I I think we're starting to actually, well, like, I didn't watch it. I feel like so I'm so I'm so scared when we're doing this segment of like saying something stupid. But how the hell did like? I feel I don't know. I feel like Josh Dobb. Where did he come from? Like that's the that's what I'll say. Like yeah. it feels like I, I don't he's even I don't even think to, the Cardinals know where he came from. Like he's really starting to look like an actual good quarterback. Yes, he, he is. Um, 17 like, for 21, 189 yards. It's yeah. not bad. It's an extremely yeah, efficient performance. And the, the funny um, thing is, I don't know if you saw this video. I saw it online earlier today. He went to go buy his own jersey. Yes, you cannot that's buy what I was, that's what a I was Joshua referring to when I said jersey. I don't even know if the Cardinals know where he came from. Yeah. That was so funny. <laughs> yeah, you can't even buy a Joshua. They don't have a <coughs> jersey for their quarterback. Which actually makes not me wonder even like, if uh, the Seahawks last year had a jersey at week one for Geno Smith. Do you think they did? I think they did. I think they did. Okay. Just because well, at least he was on the team previously. Because Josh Dobbs, the thing that was fair, so crazy yes. about Josh Dobbs is they signed Do you think the Seahawks after, like, right the now, though, have like a roster, have a one for Drew Locke as another comparison? Oh, I'm to sure that, they though? do. Really? Because, well, the thing is, for the thing for Josh Dobbs was that he went up to... It's not like he was looking in the team store for a jersey. Because it's like, that's fair. Like, they don't have one ready for him. Like, hung up in the store. Okay, whatever. That's fine. But it's that he went to the custom jersey kiosk and pressed, like, player from roster. And it's everybody on the roster <laughs> you can make a jersey for. And he's not on there. Yeah. Like, every number. Zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And there's no nine. <laughs> that's the funny part of it yeah. um well it's but, yeah we should probably get into the actual game but it's uh, it is nuts the cowboys looked so good through their first two games and just yeah it what the hell went wrong caleb they were the, <laughs> they were the best <laughs> okay well the the crazy thing is just how much this cardinals offense decimated this cowboys defense especially with how a, how good we thought the Cowboys would be. And now they lost, to, uh, not Stephon Diggs, other other one, Trayvon Diggs. Um, they lost Trayvon Diggs. Um, so obviously that's going to hurt, but you still have everybody else. You still have Micah Parsons. You still uh, got Demarcus Lawrence. You still got everybody else on that defense. And you still got Dan Quinn in the booth calling stuff. Um, which is why it was so surprising how easily the Cardinals were able to beat them. And I do think there's an element to people underestimating the Cardinals. Um, because they definitely played down to their competition, and like, because again, the car, the Cardinals had to lead the entire game. This was not, this was not like an upstart performance where they just barely squeaked one out. They won by 
two scores, right? Um, I think the biggest thing for the Cardinals right now is Josh Dobbs playing efficient and not making mistakes. That's a big thing. Um, he's not, like, blowing your mind, but he's also not making mistakes. It's the kind of game manager stuff. Um, yeah. And that's often looked at as, like, a derogatory label, but in terms of what the Cardinals need, it's, like, perfect for them, right? It's Being better a game than... Being manager in an NFL game is still a good thing. Not being mean to Murray, but, like, he's struggled with that type of stuff at certain points, right? Like, it's... Yeah. I I was going to ask you this. I was going to ask you this. Dobbs looked pretty good. So far, just going back to the, the two previous weeks, obviously they <coughs> lost both of them, but they lost close games. They lost close games. Yeah. Cardinal, with the Commanders, it was 16-20. to 20, Giants, 31-28. to 28. If yeah, they, they had, continue... They both opportunities to win. Yeah, if they continue at this rate where they're staying in games that they shouldn't be, and they actually look like, like, I, you, you're going to have to correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I believe Kyler Murray's supposed to come back week eight, right? I don't right? know for sure, but that, sa- that sounds right. Okay, week eight. So they don't necessarily have the craziest, the craziest schedule looking at it. They take on the Bengals next week, which is tough. Bengals is tough. If... And see, Seahawks is tough too. They they actually do kind of have a bit of a rough schedule. Uh, I okay. I missed I missed Ravens, but then you got Browns, Bengals, Falcons, Rams, Texans. Seahawks. So four, yeah. five, six, seven, eight. Okay, never mind. I see your point. Like, yeah, they do kind of have a tough schedule, but still, the early part of their schedule is rough. And the fact that they're playing these because, like, giant going into the seasons, Giants, Cowboys is a rough stretch too, right? True. Even now, I, obviously, I, what I was going to say, upset. the thing that I wanted to ask was if Josh Dobbs continues to play well, he continues to, maybe they're not winning all of these games, but they're getting close, Clo- maybe closer than they'd get with Kyler Murray. Would you, at week eight, if he continues playing the way he is, would you put Kyler Murray in over him? I don't know. That depends on what your plans are for the future for the Cardinals. If Josh Dobbs is playing well enough, then maybe you say, Kyler, take a couple extra weeks off because you want to see that injury fully healed. Um, it depends. It depends what it's looking like at this point. Um, because I think ultimately, no matter how well the Cardinals play, I think this will be a lost season. Just because um, they've got a lot of heart, but their roster just isn't talented to win these kind of games that they won this week consistently. Um, they're, I still don't think they're going to be able to do that. They've shown a lot of heart, but I don't think their roster's at that point. Um, I, with it being kind of a lost season and Josh Dobbs being a good enough quarterback to where you're not getting embarrassed every week, maybe they do keep him in a little bit longer. I'm not saying he's going to start for the foreseeable future, um, but it could be the kind of thing where you look at it and you say, our star quarterback, our franchise quarterback that we drafted number one overall um, has just had a brutal ACL injury that he suffered not that long ago. Because, um, again, ACL injuries generally, um, you, you forget because they happen so commonly in sport. You forget how, like, crazy serious they are. Um, like, my friend Leah tore her ACL, and it's just, like, I know for her it's just been this terrible process of back and forth, back and forth, like, physio, yeah. doctor, physio, um, eventually going in for a surgery because they misdiagnosed it initially. Um, so she she tore it back in the Super Bowl, and... She didn't have her surgery until June, so she's looking in at the Super Bowl. like over oh, overall, 
On, on, okay, Super Bowl, <laughs> on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, not to, not to but, joke uh, about something yes, serious, she, she, but she, she, <laughs> the phrasing yeah. of that was funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, she was on the field. But, um, no, just to see what that process is like for her, and obviously, yeah. like, NFL, they're going to have a better rehab, but they're also going to be going through more stuff, and it's also more likely to tear in that first, like, year after that initial recovery um, so to bring that all around, that's the kind of thing where you say, if Josh Dobbs can ride out the season and you're just looking to rebuild around Kyler Murray later, maybe you do that. Maybe you do that because I think I think you, if you want to ride it out with him, if you want to ride it out with Kyler yeah. Murray for the rest of this Cardinals, like if you want your next phase of this Cardinals team, like contending for a Super Bowl, to be with Kyler Murray, maybe you just take this year. Maybe you just yeah. take this year. I I think uh, I, I you're right. I think that uh, it really does depend on how much of a future you see with Kyler Murray, because uh, we don't really know what they think about or what the team thinks about that yet, right? Because we've heard we heard a lot of rumors. I know that me and you both had the Cardinals at the beginning of the year definitely in contention to get Caleb Williams. I uh, so it is really curious to think that uh, they've really tossed around a lot of very high pick quarterbacks. Like mm-hmm. Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. Yeah, Josh Rosen to Kyler Murray, and now there's a potential that they could be grabbing something else, somebody else, right? Yeah. It really, it's it's a very interesting thing, ain't it? Like, uh, at a certain point, you got to wonder if all these quarterbacks are just being set up to fail. Like, I. Yeah. And I also wanted to connect that to just ask, like, if you think that if Josh Dobbs can you, continues to play the same way. Because currently, two picks or two touchdowns, sorry, through three games, no picks. Last game he had an eighty-one percent completion against the Cowboys. Really does show how good that offense was. Like, yeah. if he can continue playing at this level of just, just, just play, do you think there's a chance he could get another starting job next year? Josh Dobbs, um. Starting, maybe not, but it's the kind of thing where it's definitely good tape for an NFL team. Um, He's definitely making he can... somewhat of a career, like whether that's backup, <laughs> he whether is. that's He's, like yeah, and it, it's the kind of, like he was a um, pretty consistent backup before this, but it's the kind of thing where you maybe don't see him be elevated from backup fully. But maybe he's starting for a team for the first few weeks while they get the w- rookie quarterback acclimatized, like whoever somebody drafts. I don't know. Um, yeah. Or, like, Bears trade fields and then draft Caleb Williams and Josh Dobbs plays the first few games while Williams sits and then learns behind him. Um, it could be Wouldn't that, that be thing. weird? Be a, that, isn't it crazy yeah. that that is a potential thing? When at the beginning of the year it felt like we were talking about how fields will probably crack the top ten best quarterbacks of the, by the – End of the season. Yeah, isn't that a crazy? It's That's a crazy a, world, that, yeah. it, ain't it? Like, yeah, I I do still think I still am a believer in Justin Fields. I this was I I don't think we'll have time to get to this as a full segment, but I do think Justin Fields um, has been done wrong by his coaches, and I think um, he just needs to get the hell out of Chicago. And I think once he does and goes to someone who can actually coach him well, then I think he'll succeed. It's like, imagine yep. what Mahomes would have done if you put him in this Bears room fresh out of college. I think he'd be just playing maybe a little bit better than Justin Fields, but the situation is a lot, right? I don't know if you saw this, but Caleb Williams' dad was saying 
Um, if they don't like the team that they see with the number one pick, he may return to college. I did hear that, yeah. Which is honestly not that bad of a an idea. Um, it's a really sucks good for idea. The fans, sucks for the fans of that team. But for Caleb Hell, Williams, uh, Shadur. Shadur yeah. is another one where like they <laughs> said that he doesn't want to be number two to the probable number one of Caleb Williams, right? It's the type mm-hmm. of thing where wait till you'll make the most money, right? Because at college yeah. level, because at the end of the day, all of you want to have a big ego and you want to like believe in yourself. But at the end of the day, you're making a boatload of millions of dollars, right? Playing college, maybe it's not as much as you might get at the NFL level. Yeah, but well, the difference the is, stuff, you yeah. are, you, yeah. But I'm getting to that. I'm just saying that like you are making that kind of money. You will continue to make that kind of money at college. You might make more at the NFL. Might. That, that is an important might. And I think that's something that players are starting to recognize, and I think that's a really... It's going to change in the next 10 years. I think we're going to start seeing a very big change in players wanting to go straight to the NFL. I think that's going to change very quickly. And obviously we've seen, um, we, we've seen already in the past, like players wanting to play more years at college and hell in a lot of different sports. Like I think of in basketball, the big example that people like to bring up is Tim Duncan. Like uh, he play, like he played out his entire college career before going NBA, and still got drafted first overall. That's a very big one. Like it is still possible, and I think we're gonna start seeing that. And that was back way before they started doing all this. Uh, you, you, I, I always forget the name of it. What's what's it called again? The whole. Uh, why do they make money? What's what's that called? I'm oh, feeling N- nil. There you go, nil. Like, that was way before all that stuff, obviously, and he still stayed. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's, I don't, I, if I was, all I'm saying is if I was a player who was good enough to be making that kind of money, I would not be going straight to the NFL. I would not be taking that risk. Especially, hell, if you are, even if you, especially if you're not a quarterback, right? If you're a running back or something like that, do you really want to go straight to the NFL just to, like, make three years? Like, you're going to make way more probably at the NIL level. I'm more mean, like, quarterbacks, in, obviously, in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is making $50 million, right? Like, uh, and all that. Maybe yeah, at college well, level you're not making that, but we should move it's on. More so, <laughs> it's more so the people, just to conclude that, I think it's more so the yeah. people on the fringes that have to worry about that. Because with first-rounders, at least you do get guaranteed contracts that are still really big. Um, I think with Caleb Williams, it's more like development for the future that you'd be concerned about. Um, yeah, I guess but, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I'm we just can... thinking in my head. Like, uh, I, I'm looking at Justin Fields' stats, and obviously three touchdowns, four picks, not good. Don't have to <laughs> – that's not very good at all. I, I do think the Bears have been very bad. I, as somebody who is a DJ Moore fantasy uh, football owner, I can tell you that he's been pretty bad. Uh, he hasn't even been rushing very well. Only 110 yards through three games, which is not very just the, the whole like. The whole um, Bears team has just been awful. That's that's a whole other can of worms. Like it's yeah, it's it's rough. Um, it's hard to say to, that it's Fields' fault. Yeah. Okay. Just we to move on. just to compare, to, yeah, just to compare before we're done, 
Shadur Sanders is the number one um, moneymaker in NIL, $5 million, um, which is, again, a lot. But um, the guaranteed money, um, I think it's fully guaranteed. I don't actually know. But the projected contract, if you're the number one pick in the draft, is $41 million. So there is still a significant upgrade. Okay. Well, we sort we sort of hit fields, which is something we wanted to do. So we got that. Let's finish off because I'm tired. It's late. Let's talk about the Dolphins, who put up (laughs) put up Madden rookie numbers. Like you know when you know when you're a kid, and like the team you're watching gets absolutely bushwhopped, like (coughs) mollywhopped in the wild card, and you're mad. So you hop on Madden in rookie mode and casually drop. 70 points on the Broncos and then you try and turn off the console and you re- realize it's real life and you actually just dropped 70 points on the Broncos that's how McDaniels feels right now <laughs> he yeah. feel he felt like he was playing Madden out there I don't know if you saw the memes of like him going into the crowd and asking people about their fantasy teams so yeah, that I he kept asking who wants to who wants to who who needs to score <laughs> like it's nuts how is that even like seventy points? Like you hear, you hear college teams score sixty or fifty, and I in my head I just think, what the hell? Seventy, seventy. Yep. And what? they could have gotten more. <laughs> they couldn't. They could have gotten more. The most upsetting thing to me about all of this is that you're the Dolphins, and you have already scored seventy points. Uh, Simon, do you know at what point in the game they reached 70 points? Give me a time. time Eight left. minutes left in the fourth quarter, in the f- I think. Right? How many? I looked at my phone. Eight minutes. Yep, you're entirely correct. Eight yep. minutes left in the fourth <laughs> quarter. So they only needed 52 minutes of game time to get to 70 points. And they could have gotten even more because they drove into Broncos territory and, the record, and had the and opportunity to, be clear, to kick a To be clear, goal. the record is 73 points. I did look that up. Yeah, 73 points. Um, I know, like, I think the record for the regular season is 72. And then in the playoffs for all of NFL history, there was a 73 to nothing NFL championship game in, like, the 1940s or 50s or whatever. But that's the most... Um, Knowing from Scorigami, um, that is the most that an NFL team has ever scored in a game in all of NFL history, even before the Super Bowl era. Um, so they could have tied that mark, and they chose not to. Why not just go for the record? At this point, the Broncos are already embarrassed. You've already put up 70 yeah, points. You've already beat them by 50. I was why would you? Because I why do would agree. You, why do you hold your back? How, hold yourself back from that extra three? I do. It's not, I understand. They're not going to feel any worse. No, I just wanted to say, like, when I first heard <coughs> the quote, "Yeah, we didn't want to embarrass them anymore." I was like, "Okay, fair enough." And then I was like, "Wait." You don't want to embarrass them beat them by 50. You are up by 50 points, my good sir. They were, okay, (laughs) watching them on red zone, they went for it on fourth down in their own territory when they were up, like, 28. (laughs) I don't know if if that's exactly right. Like, there's, I know it happened at some, I don't know if they were up by that much, but they were up a lot of points. They did not need to go for that fourth down, and they went for it. They passed the point of embarrassment a long time ago. Just kick the damn field goal. Try to go for the history at that point. Listen, listen, listen. We get it. He was dead in the second quarter. They've been dead. You've been beating a dead horse. Yeah. One more kick ain't going to kill you. <laughs> That's all we're saying. Seriously. The Broncos <laughs> are still going to be depressed as all hell 
Um, like somebody if started you beat them yelling from the 20. crowd, "Stop! They're already dead!" But <laughs> way earlier in the game, eight minutes left. You could have. You could have. It's. I agree with you. It's so disappointing. Imagine if they somehow reached eighty. Oh, that's like, insane. Like when you're playing. When you're, this is a really, this is uh, this is just where my head goes. Let's say you're playing, you know how you can play, like, co-op Tetris? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, co-op Tetris. You're playing against someone. Yep. You're starting to get up there. They lose by, like, a lot. And you're still going. You're going to beat your personal record. You don't choose to stop three points of your personal record because you don't want to embarrass the person anymore. Nah, fuck that. You go another 20,000 up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like it don't matter. I, your feelings are your your feelings can be butthurt all you want. I've been trying to beat this shit for four years in the, in my math class. I ain't, I, I don't care. Yeah, this, yeah. This isn't four years. This is like <laughs> exactly like almost a hundred years. Exactly. I it's don't know. dumb. It's it's a dumb thing. But uh, that's all that needs to be said on it. Other than that, I mean, Mostert yeah. went absolutely nuts, and we have a guy in our fantasy football league who has Tua. Tyree Kill and Mostert, and I feel bad for whoever he played last week. I don't remember who it was, but it looked rough. Yeah, yeah. I I think most people watching this podcast probably would have saw my week one Tyree Kill rant. I think that feels like a very. Imagine how the person who <laughs> played against him in week three felt. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Ugh, that's, that's so insane. Crazy. Like uh, that. They just, how can you not like the Dolphins this year? Like to do, like they're so they're, nice. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah, they're I, I don't, so I don't good. really know. Yeah, like uh, they are. They at this point, I saw them at number one in the power rankings for a lot of different outlets, and I don't see how you can disagree with that. Of course not. Of course not. There's no one close. They're they're. Yeah, they the best are team in the NFL right now. As you can say a lot of bad things about the Broncos, there is not a single team in the NFL who could get close to 60, 50 points on the Broncos. The Broncos like, defense last year was was one of the best the in the Dolphins, NFL, if not the best. The Dolphins have the best offense in the NFL and it isn't close. And if anybody yeah. disagrees and, with this, and you and, are wrong. You are because remember they didn't have Waddle, who right? Did the, who? Yeah, I was gonna say, who did they not have? Jalen Waddle, one of the yeah. best receivers in the NFL. They didn't have him. Didn't need him. They didn't it's, need him. The Dolphins are like, I. It's hard to even put into words. Like they're playing Madden. I made that example. They, at the they are. They're playing Madden. Like uh, <laughs> McDaniel's plugged in his thing through like literally ninety nines across the roster and went. I don't like you, Russell Wilson. Cry. That's what happened. Yeah. That's how I would describe that game. It's what you get when you don't give your formal ball boy an interview. Damn right. He's going to put up (laughs) 70 on your asses. That's, that's, that's probably, I, I, oh, I'm having a stroke. I'm good. Okay. That's not what a stroke is. You uh, you get the joke. But, uh, (laughs) the, (laughs) the, what I was going to say was, that's what I found funny about the whole thing, where, like, he said uh, that he didn't want to embarrass them anymore. The, like, that 50 points must have been personal, right? <laughs> There's a little bit. It has to. It has to. There has to it be. It has to. Like, he probably was like, like, I know, 
I know Jim Irsay isn't there anymore, but I'm going to make the joke anyway. He definitely, like, walked by Jim Irsay when he was a ball boy there, and Jim, like, went for a high five. Jim Irsay just went, like, you know, just, like, blew him off, and he just went. Jim Irsay? Am I dumb? Was he not around back then? John, El- John Elway? John That's Elway. Cool, cool God, team. I'm... End the damn podcast. End it. I'm having a stroke. <laughs> I'm tired. Why are we here? Uh... I want to go to bed. <laughs> That's a good place to end it. That is a good place to end it. This is why we end on football. You know, the thing that everyone wants to watch. So you guys can watch me struggle. You're getting something out of this. You're watching me struggle. Like, I can talk about hockey. I can talk about basketball, MLB. The second we get to football, it's a downhill spiral. Go back and watch our other stuff. That was good. That was good. It was great. Get the hell out of here. (laughs) Why are you here? (laughs) Go watch something else. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, so much for watching. You guys know the deal by now. You know where to find us. Um, we're over on Fresh Take, which is going to be in this corner. Got it. Oh, no, I got oh, it wrong. That's, Crap. <laughs> that's where we are. Um, you did it. Yeah, we'll be there. Um, everywhere else you can find us, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. You know the deal by now. Um, but, yeah, thank you for listening to us this week. My shout-out for this week um, it's gonna go to we got Simon with the sunglasses. Um, <laughs> I got it right this time. There you go, perfect. Um, someone who's almost as cool as Simon with the sunglasses. This is this shadow goes to Bill Belichick, and now Bill Belichick has a bit of a reputation as someone who doesn't like the media and is just kind of boring and says the same thing. But I think Bill Belichick is one of the funniest guys in the entire <laughs> NFL. Because I don't know if um, you saw this, Simon, I but did. there's been there's been a, a a whirlwind of stuff going around the NFL with Travis Kelsey potentially dating Taylor Swift. And when Bill Belichick was asked about this, he didn't give a stock answer. He didn't say next question. He said the best thing I've heard anybody <laughs> say about this entire situation. He says that's probably the best catch Kelsey's got in his entire career. I think that is genuinely hilarious what a guy for bill belichick of all people to say that it's such a good quote (laughs) it's amazing for bill Bill belichick the best quotable of the nfl season so far good job bill keep it up and for my shout out and this really does go to show i've done too many drink shout outs already because i'm running out of drinks i don't even know if i would have shout this out yet but uh the mini peace tea cans you know you can buy the boxes oh yeah Ooh. I've drank two. I don't know if you've been keeping track. I have somewhat. I've drank two. And a Pellegrino. It's a problem. That's okay. I'm going <laughs> to die at 30. Look at the tower I've created. Ooh. That's nice. It is nice. That's nice. I was it's tempted great. to buy one of those packs of PST. They had they had them at my local Safeway. And They're good. I, I could have. I, I got the... I got the. I chose to get the liter of chocolate milk instead, which was still a good purchase. But I'm gonna judge you for that. Think, one. Oh, it's <laughs> so good! It comes in this fancy little glass bottle that I, I, because I got this on Sunday to watch football with, and it's already I downed this entire thing. <laughs> this this shit was so good. You oh got like God. the actual like. <laughs> That's Legit awesome. Milk actually. bottle. I yeah. was chugging this shit back while watching Red Zone. It was great. That's it. Go watch something else. I'm tired.